Hey guys, welcome to the Grove Podcast. This is Shelly Giglio, and I'm so thrilled you're joining us here today. We had our very first Grove online gathering of 2021, and it was just simply incredible. Many of you were a part of that night, and you can still find the entire night on Passion City Church's YouTube channel. So check out the full experience with worship and the truth. We're going to share this podcast with you in two parts. The first part today is a word from our dear friend and author, Hannah Brencher. Hannah just released an amazing book to the world called Fighting Forward. It's incredible, and she speaks so profoundly about those truths in today's podcast. If it encourages you and you really want to know more about it, then please look for her book, Fighting Forward. You can also hear today about the second part that we're going to be doing of the podcast. We'll tell you about that at the end, but it's a roundtable, very honest conversation about what it looks like to actually fight forward in our lives. So I pray these words and truths will bring you so much life today. Here is our friend, Hannah Brencher. So I can promise you that you have never encountered someone who is more obsessed with a new year than me. I have never met a new year that I didn't love. And it has nothing to do with the ball dropping or the sparkly dresses or the kiss at midnight. I am simply a transformation junkie. I am fully bought into the idea that at the stroke of midnight on December 31st, I can become a completely different person, right? Yes, so you will find me at my house making the resolutions, picking my word for the year, making a vision board. I am writing letters to all my past selves that I'm saying goodbye to. I buy the kale. I become a minimalist. I set out to run four miles, though I have not run a single day in the year before, but on January 1st, I'm ready, I am going. Um, I buy in completely to the mindset of new year, new you. I'll just own it. But here's what I've had to admit to myself over the last few years, that there's actually nothing magical about a new year, about a clock striking midnight, about a new calendar. And some of you are thinking, okay, so why are we getting into this? Because it's February. Well, here we're at the point where 80% of New Year's resolutions have failed. And we start thinking, okay, in 11 months, I'll do this over again, right? And I don't know about you, but this year it felt heavier. When we started talking about the new year, it was almost like, okay, well, when we get into the new year, everything that has been hard is going to go away. And then we got into the new year and we're like, it kind of feels like more of the same. And as I was picking my word for the new year and prepping, God downloaded something into my spirit that I have been repeating to myself ever since. He said to me that even if your circumstances do not change, how you act within your circumstances can change at any time. This hit me because I don't necessarily like the truth of it. I kind of want to lean on my circumstances as an excuse as to why I can't move forward. But you see, our lives are not on pause just because our circumstances don't look how we thought that they were going to look. If anything, the work that we are called to do matters now more than it has ever mattered before. So this is my hope for all of us tonight, wherever you are, that we would take a deep breath in And we would recommission ourselves to the work of right here, right now. 
as unglamorous as it is, as hard as it may be, that God is not looking at these circumstances as accidental, but he has commissioned us for such a time as this. My prayer is that we wouldn't wait for the circumstances to shift or for the feelings to get a little bit more safe, but that we would decide to show up for the fight that is right in front of us and start partnering with God to move into all the things that he has for us. But how do we do that? How do we show up for the fight that is right in front of us when life feels hard and it feels uncertain? You're gonna realize pretty quickly about me that I am all about practicality. I am someone who studies discipline and the power of habits in my spare time. It's cool to me. Um, but all that to say, I am a how person. My Google searches are just how, 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 how. But I'm going to own that tonight, and I'm going to lean into that tonight because inspiration is great. It lights a fire under us for a minute, but action steps are is what going to propel us to be different people when we walk away from this space. So how do we start? We start small. It always starts small. Life is a series of small things. I'll show you one of my small steps to take my vitamins every day. Now, if you're looking at this box and thinking this is excessive, that's because it is. But I get sucked into pretty packaging. I am the person that comes home from Target and I have all the things I never needed, but they just were pretty, right? I'm a firm believer that you don't go to Target knowing what you need. You go to Target and Target tells you what you need. Amen. <laughs> I found this online. I was like, that is a pretty little box. My pills are in little packages. My name is on the package. I, I'm just a sucker for all good packaging. But here's the thing that happened. I took it once. And then I took it twice. And on the third day, I became an expert in vitamins. I was telling everybody, you have to take vitamins. And then I missed a day. And I missed another day. And because it was a subscription, the boxes kept showing up at my house. And my sweet, gracious husband kept piling the boxes under the cupboard in the bathroom. He never said anything. Every once in a while, he'd be like, do you maybe want to take your vitamins? But I'm embarrassed to say that I was an evangelist for these vitamins that I'm not even good at taking. And that is the culture that we live in today. We would rather be fancy than we would be faithful. We would rather chase the big than to do the work that is on the ground level. I'm put my little vitamin away. Put my prop back here. <laughs> we would rather have a perfect talk without any of the refining work to make our walk what it needs to be. We would rather call out the walks of other people than to ever look internally and think, what are the things that you could stand to change within me, God? It is one thing to have a pretty package, and it is another thing entirely to do the work, to show up when the work gets boring, to be consistent within a culture that wants instantaneous results and viral videos and overnight successes, and it will sell you any lie for you to buy into it. Eugene Peterson wrote in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, one aspect that is harmful to Christians is the assumption that anything worthwhile can be acquired at once. We assume that if something can be done at all, it can be done quickly and efficiently. Our attention spans have been conditioned by 30-second commercials. It is not difficult to get a person interested in the message of the gospel. It is terrifically difficult to sustain that interest. Now, he wrote this in the 80s, 
where we actually had the attention span for 30-second commercials. Now we're like, I don't want ads, I don't want pop-ups, I just want to get on to the next thing. We want all the things at once or not at all. But here's the thing, taking it back to the vitamins. For you to even experience the internal benefits of those vitamins, you have to be taking them at least two to six weeks, sometimes 90 days. That right there is a long haul. It is a process. But there is something that has to take place inside for it to be deeply rooted, for it to change our makeup. So maybe it's not the vitamins for you. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe it's those dreams that God planted inside of you. But whatever it is, the transformation starts small. A single vitamin, the printing of a healthy recipe, a single prayer, Genesis 1. And then what you do is you take those small things and you put them on repeat. We have to be people that keep coming back over and over and over again, because I believe the best things of this lifetime that God has for us come with the instructions, repeat for best results. When we get dedicated to the work that is right in front of us, we start to realize that all of life is just a bunch of small stuff that looks bigger when we put it all together. And then we read this book right here and we notice that God is a God of small things just as much as he is the God of big miracles. I think a lot about Anna the prophetess in Luke 2, probably too much, but that's fine. But if you've never noticed her, she gets about two lines in the story. In chapter two of Luke, we learn that she was married for seven years. The Bible goes on to say that she was either widowed for 84 years or she was 84 years old at the time this story took place. Either way, she was older in age. And it said right there that she never left the temple area, worshiping day and night with fasting and prayer. You see, she lost her husband after seven years of marriage and she went her whole entire life without her husband. Her hardship was the death of that husband. But what she decided to do to respond to that hardship was give complete dedication of her life to God. And I love the beauty of the Bible. I believe this whole thing is a living, breathing poem. But the fact that Mary and Joseph walk into the temple with their baby Jesus to present him before God and to also come to fulfill the Old Testament law of bringing a sacrifice and they intersect with Anna, who has turned her entire life into a living sacrifice for God because of hardship. That if we're standing in the midst of hardship right now, what would it look like to say, this is a chance to rededicate myself, to make my whole entire life a sacrifice? Because that's actually what we're called to do in Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, that we would turn our lives, our bodies into a living sacrifice. And when God is saying bodies, he means all of it. He wants our whole person, our mind, our body, our soul, our spirit, and that that would be our form of worship. Look at the message translation of that verse. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. All of it. Just like Anna. And I think to myself, what would have happened if Anna gave up? Or Anna was like, you know, my friends are telling me this is a little weird that I do not leave the temple, that I keep coming back. 
but she knew that within her lifetime, she was going to see the promise fulfilled, the freeing of Jerusalem. And God brought her there at a divine intersection to see it. So I am thankful that Anna did not give up on her routines and her rhythms, that she did not get exhausted with the coming back. And the thing is, you may get exhausted, but you still have to keep coming back. That's faithfulness in our world today. If you spend your precious hours focusing on what other people are doing, you're gonna miss out on God and what he wants to do with you. You will miss the marrow of this lifetime. You will miss what you are uniquely called to live out. We do not need more people trying to be imitations of other people. What we need is people who are willing to get alone with God, dig deep, and figure out what they bring to the table because it is different than what somebody else brings to the table. Get alone with God and get your daily missions from him. Asking God, who is it that you want me to see? God, where do you want me to go? God, what is it that you want me to do? Because I can tell you this, this was a lie I faced at the beginning of all of this. I thought, okay, now I have to stay in my home. This is like my dream come true for an introvert. But that didn't mean that I got a free pass from my people. That didn't mean that I wasn't still called to show up right where I was. We have to be dedicated to that intimacy because we can swap imitation for deep overflowing intimacy at any time. But it means that we have to keep coming back and keep coming back and dedicate ourselves to those small things on repeat. And above all that, we have to figure out a way to clear out the noise because there is a lot of noise in the world today. Amen? Yes. And sometimes we lose ourselves to it. I can tell you that at the beginning of the pandemic, I was not doing well at all. I was nine months pregnant and the world started shutting down around us. I remember going to a wedding and then we never left the house again. And to have a baby during this time where there was so much uncertainty, I wish I could tell you that I was super holy like Anna and I like fasted and I prayed in actuality. I pulled out this a lot and I scrolled day and night and day and night and sometimes in the middle of the night because I kept thinking if I just keep doing this, some hope is going to show up, right? Some truth is going to show up. And in actuality, researchers have started to call this doom surfing. There is a name for it after the pandemic because we're not scrolling for good news. It's almost like we find the bad news and then we want to dig even deeper. I wasn't fighting forward. I was punching the air and allowing the media to take me down day after day after day. And I understand that it is scary. And I understand that people want to stick close to the news. But friends, something about our habits and our rituals have to shift. If we are finding our hope and filling the craters of our souls with these devices, something desperately needs to shift. And trust me, I use technology every single day. I'm not telling us we need to go become hermits in the woods, but I don't want to look at this phone and have it tell me who I am or what I offer. I don't want to look to this world and ask it to give me a name. There is a fork in the road. We are either going to survive by the scraps of validation and information from fragile humans like ourselves, or we are going to figure out how to feed at the table of God and stay full. I want you to look at Psalm 23 if you have a Bible. 
This is known as the shepherd's psalm. If you have been in church for a while, you can probably recite a lot of this psalm um, about the good shepherd that makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our souls. So this basically is likening us to sheep. And I get that. Okay, God makes me lie down. He restores my soul. His rod and his staff are my comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Hold up. If I've learned anything about the Bible, it is when when you read something and you're just tempted to move past it, that is an indicator that you should stop, rewind, and dig. Because usually there is something there waiting for you that is absolutely going to blow your mind. So I'm not embarrassed to admit that when I read this passage, I naturally thought of somebody sitting in a chair having olive oil poured over their head. That's what I thought of when you anoint my head with oil. But the thing is, this is a passage about the Lord being a shepherd to us. So is there something more there? You see, what I didn't know, if we want to get into a little biology lesson, is that there is this little tiny fly known as a bot fly. And the bot fly is known to fly up the sheep's noses and plant little eggs into its brain. And when those eggs hatch, they become worms skittering around the sheep's brain. It's really cute. But really what happens is that the wolves, not the wolves, there are no wolves in this story, sorry. The sheep, maybe that was prophetic. (laughs) The sheep get so annoyed with something in their head that they start to beat their head against the ground, sometimes to the point of death. And so what does the shepherd do? The shepherd comes along and pours oil over the sheep's head so that the bot flies that try to fly in naturally have to slip out. That is what they mean when they say that we are anointing the sheep's head with oil. It is a daily, ordinary, necessary practice for the shepherds to anoint the heads of their sheep with oil. Otherwise, those irritants are going to get in and drive them absolutely mad. So much of this last year has been an internal brain battle. And God is not surprised or caught off guard by this. He knows the fight that we are in and he knows how loud the noise is. But I love that this is a proactive process here. And it makes me wonder how can we be more proactive with our own faith? Because we can be reactive, but it would be that much more powerful if we learned to be proactive. If we decided I'm not just gonna stay on the defense in my faith, but I'm gonna go on the offense. That before the lies get a chance to show up, I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna haul the lies out into the light and I'm gonna ask God to deal with them. Because I will tell you this much, nothing shifted in my doom surfing until I decided to get deliberate. I cleared out the noise. I pulled out my Bible and I would sit there every single day. And I don't want to make it look like I was doing some exegetical study on the book of Leviticus because I was not doing that. I actually tried to read the book of Jeremiah in the season of Lent. I don't recommend it if you are nine months pregnant in a pandemic. It does not go well. But I would sit there and I would say, God, I really don't have much. I'm scared. I don't know what is happening right now. What I need from you is the next rung on the ladder. Just give me the next rung on the ladder. And for 10 minutes a day, I would show up and I would sit there and I will promise you that he met me every single day in that 
10 minutes. I would haul my fears out into the light and I would ask God for something better to grab onto. And every day he met me in that. He is not asking you for performance right now. He's not saying, hey, if you you don't have an hour, then just come tomorrow. He's saying, I want all of you. I want you to need me. So come if you only have 10 minutes. It starts small, 10 minutes at a time but it is the decision to keep coming back and to clear out the noise so we can clear the space for Jesus. Are you tired right now? Are you worn out and exhausted with the fight that you're in? I know that feeling. I've felt that feeling before, but this is the thing. I decided I was going to bank my whole life on one of the first promises that Jesus made to his followers, that if you are tired and you are worn out and you are weary, come to me and I will give you rest. We need to look to Jesus. And I don't say that to sound super spiritual, but I say that to be one of the most practical, tactical pieces of advice that I could ever give you. Look to Jesus. Follow Jesus. We all know how to follow someone. The social media influencer where you know what brand of clothing she wears and what brand of couches are sitting in her living room at any given time. Or the person that you're watching on social media because everything that they post riles you up. So you're actually going to their page multiple times a day in the hopes that you'll get a little more riled up. We know how to follow somebody in this era. But what if we followed Jesus in that way? I'm telling you, it could shift your entire existence because it shifted mine. What would Jesus do is not a catchy phrase that we've put onto a crochet bracelet. It is a question that should inform our every movement. But here's the thing. You can't know what Jesus would do if you don't know what he did while he was here on this earth. You gotta pick up this book and you need to eat this book, really. If you are tired, you are deflated, it is like you've been on a sugar diet and this right here is meat and you can consume it every day. If you wanna know about the nitty gritty humanity of Jesus and the healing he did, Go start in the book of Luke. Luke was a doctor. If you want to know about the alert, deliberate miracles of Jesus, go to Mark. Mark will use the word immediately 50,000 times. If you want to know about the Jewish roots of Jesus, how he was the promised Messiah to a promised people, go to the book of Matthew. And if you want to know about the divinity of Jesus, how he calls you beloved, go to the book of John. But where you, where you go, consider this a field notes for your life. Look at how he treated people. Look at how many times he got alone with the father. Look at how he cleared out the noise. Look at the small things he did on repeat. Look at his rhythms and his routines. Because if you know the rhythms and routines of a beauty influencer more than you know the rhythms and routines of your savior, then something needs to shift right now. For your sake and for your well-being, it starts right here. This is how you cultivate a faith that is real, a faith that is lasting. You can open this book and you can keep coming back to it over and over and over again. And if you are one of the thousands of people who started the Bible in a year on January 1st and you failed two days in, pick it up again. Go somewhere else, but plant yourself in there because when we plant, we get roots. 
I promise you that if you keep showing up to this thing, transformation will start to happen. It will be slow. It won't always be documentable, but it's going to be real. I can promise you that, and it will be rooted. And that is what we need more of in this world today. We need more people that are rooted in something bigger than ourselves because we are faulty. We were always going to fail people. So why do we keep looking to one another when we have a savior? (sighs) Just start looking to the source because God starts showing up in absolutely everything when you do. I mean, honestly, I put a little Bible in the midst of my big Bible, but... I started planting these little Bibles all over my house so that I would start to pick them up and consume them more than the news. I knew I was going to be feeding a lot of Bibles, so I put one right by the bottle-making station. I knew my rhythms and my routines, and I started to place the gospel wherever I was. I got a suggestion from a friend the other day that if you don't have time to spend a lot of time in the Word of God, just take your Bible and put it on the kitchen counter and open it up anytime you're standing there and God is gonna start speaking to you. And more than that, your children are gonna start seeing it. They're gonna see the roots of you being in the word of God. I don't have enough time is not an excuse any longer. And what's really cool if you wanna get into the science terms of things is that when we start putting our nose here more than anything else, we will see our environment start to shift. The things that we notice are going to start to shift. It is scientific. It is called the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. So you know when you go to the dealership and you buy a Jeep and then all of a sudden everyone and their moms are driving Jeeps? That is that phenomenon. Or when you hear that worship song and then all of a sudden you hear the worship song everywhere and you think it's a sign from God? It may be a sign from God, but actually it's just a frequency bias. That's the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon that whatever we focus on, we will see more of. So if we start immersing ourselves in this book, we are gonna see him moving in our lives, in the lives of people that we love, in the people we see at Target, and the people we never imagined would walk into our lives, but we will miss them if we are not on high alert. And now is a time to be on high alert. It's not that he wasn't there the whole time, he has always been here. We just need to do the work of training our eyes to see him. We need to start small. We need to keep coming back. We have to clear out the noise and we have to train our eyes to see Jesus in everything. If you don't know where to start, you can borrow my breath prayer that I pray a lot. A breath prayer is simply a prayer that you can say in a single breath. And oftentimes I will close my eyes and I will pray, God, Show up, show up, show up, and help me to do the same. That's it. That's where it starts. It's all practical and it's all tactical because we need to start taking some real action and steps, not just for ourselves, for the people that don't yet know him, for the people that are wondering if our faith is real. We need to be absorbing and investing in this place, in those small steps, Keep coming back. Keep looking to him. God, we just thank you for your graciousness and for your goodness, God, that you are not a God who is elusive. You are not a God who is absent, God. You are not a God that gave us a conceptual book. This is a living, breathing Nike commercial right here. Just do it. And God, 
I just pray right now that you are stirring a hunger in your people to get up off the couch, stop being a spectator in the lives of other people and start showing up to our lives, God, because you are there waiting for us, that we would be present, that we would put the phones down, God, that we would see you moving in all the elements, God, increase our awareness of you, God, so we can see you moving so that we can be mouthpieces for you. If you're not in it, God, we don't want it. Clear out the noise and turn up the volume on your word, God. We are ready and we are expectant and we are ready to step in, God. We ask all of this in your beautiful son's name. Amen. Man, Hannah, so incredible. That word was just amazing. Yes and amen to every word of it. Thank you two girls for joining us on this podcast and listening to Hannah's heart as she shares so much of the truth that God has used to transform her life. If you think this should be shared with some of your friends, you're welcome to send it and forward the link to them and have them check it out as well. Also, if you'd like to hear more from Hannah, please check out hannahbrencher.com. You can find out about all of our other books, including Fighting Forward. We love you guys. We're praying for you today, and we cannot wait to catch you next time on The Grove Podcast.